Welcome, everybody, to the Heat Assist Podcast. My name is Carson, and I am joined by Stephen and David. What's up, guys? So today we're just going to talk about the uh, NBA news, including the All-Star Game, and also about, obviously, the Miami Heat. Let's start with uh, some NBA news first. Go ahead, Stephen. Uh, why don't you start off? So I just wanted to point out some quick updates that have been, that's been happening throughout the NBA. Obviously, since the trade deadline has ended, there are still teams out there trying to better the roster. A few buyouts have been going on, and other teams have been picking up those players that have been bought out. Some notable pickups have been by the Houston. Houston Rockets, who picked up Jeff Green and Damari Carroll. The LA Clippers picked up Reggie Jackson. There have been a couple other buyouts, including Dion Waiters and Tyler Johnson, and they're still waiting to be picked up. But it's definitely something that uh, fans should keep a lookout for, as they can affect the not necessarily the outcome of the playoffs, but it might better their chances as the regular season keeps rolling along. Also, some sad news for the Nets fans. Kyrie Irving has been ruled out indefinitely uh, due to his shoulder issues he's been having throughout the entire year. Mm -hmm. Um, It's unfortunate because he's been given the option to have surgery, but he elected not to go through it in the past. And so now it's kind of getting to, if he were to get surgery now, his recovery would might interfere with the beginning of next season. So I'm, I'm guessing he's contemplating uh, whether he's going to have surgery or not again. And also yeah. one last news That's... is that the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, they fired their head coach, John Beeline. But um, go ahead, David. Oh, just on Kyrie Irving thing, I think it's really unfortunate because I think, like you said, he decided he opted not to get surgery. So instead, he opted to get a cortisone shot and just rest up, hoping it will recover and he'll be able to, you know, lead his team to the playoffs. Unfortunately, like you said, it it turns out surgery seems like the only solution. And that would, I guess, the worst case scenario for Kyrie Irving. I just want to point out as well that I don't blame him for the decision he's made. Just because mm-hmm. it seems like due to his extensive medical history past, he's had some really bad luck with modern science. And so I think his perception of having surgery and any sort of invasive procedure, I think is when kind you, of against it. When so, you say modern science, you mean like he thinks that the whole world is flat and not around? Well, regardless of what he thinks, he's had some very bad experiences. And I think that's why he's electing to avoid all these sort of procedures. So, you know, I, and I, I can feel for him because it's a tough spot. Like, I wouldn't put it out that he might be scared just to go to something like surgery. I mean, it's not unheard of. I hope that he'll make, you know, the right decision. And he has good people surrounding him because it's, it's serious when you're going through surgery and you want to be sure that you're making all the right precautions. Yeah, and just one more thing before touching on John Beeline is Dion Raiders. Just what a downfall for him. Uh, so much hype and excitement coming into the season as Heat fans. I know I was really hyped for him. I kind of predicted him to have like a six-man type of season. And now he went, all the things that he did destroyed his career. There's rumors that he might get picked up by the Lakers, but if the Lakers don't pick him up, it just seems like that's the end of his career. To go from such a promising start with so much hype and and excitement and just to watch him ruin his career just like that as a heat fan i think he kind of deserved it 
looks like it's just desserts. So I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I guess I'm bitter about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's understandable. He is like you said, he bought yeah, it he, up onto he, himself. You do, you do know he deserved, he, he dug his own grave. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's season. why, I mean, I'm not sad that he's, that's probably, he's never going to play again, probably. He really does deserve it. I think the point that they were trying to make is that he believed in him as a fan. Yeah. And then yes. he just did not give a crap about it. He just, man, he really messed it up this, just this year, right? And yeah. not yeah, even not after even the full year, like well, even, I think even last year, he, he had a few issues too. Because yeah. when he was injured last year, he he also started giving the front office some... That's true. Yeah, he's yeah. grieving them because the he was saying like he should have he should have played. He wanted to play mm-hmm. even though he was injured. But Pat Riley said nope. Yeah, and he also a little overweight too last year. Yeah, like. yeah, you saw it. He's a little pudgy there. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's also disappointing for Tyler Johnson as well, former Heat player Tyler Johnson. Two of these buyout candidates, and nobody wants them. And they used to be key members of the Miami Heat. I don't know what. <laughs> just just a further. Reminder of the horrible contract situation the Heat were in. That's all I, I wanted to say about that. On oh, the cool. other side of the coin, David, it's uh-huh. just a testament to the the scouting and development team for the Heat, how they yes. can turn these types of players who, even though they got bad contracts, they allow them to grow and be better players than they're normally expected to, give them those contracts, and then just get rid of them. And in a that's very, the part is getting rid of those players. Like, <laughs> like it's can like they move he, on from those from players that they found and revived their career? Yeah, yeah. But you see it as like they have a certain limit, a certain mm-hmm. threshold, right? That he brought that out out of them, raised their price, and gave them away as assets. And I think that's a testament to how they can develop talent and and how manipulative. Pat mm-hmm. Riley can be in the whole you know, orchestrating this whole like strategy into making the Heat a sure. possible contender in the future. For it's sure. I I would like to think that Pat Riley had this whole I mean these past few years have been horrible, but it's all part of the big plan, right? Yeah. Well, we well I mean, I, I'm assets, pretty, so I think he, he created assets in a way. Well, I think he admitted that he was trying to save up money for twenty for uh, the twenty twenty one season anyway. Right. Yes, but he, now... he admitted it years ago. I think. Yeah, he's trying to save money, cap space for 2021, so he can hunt some big whales, so he could do some right, big old heat whale were... fishing. But the heat were salary; they were hard cap. They had no room for the rest yeah, until 2021. So that was not a good position to be in. I think he he might he took a risk because oh, he, sure. he he backfire. saw like he saw them the height of that. Right, mismatch. Yeah, that, and he thought that that would carry on to next season, but it didn't. Four years contract too. Don't forget yeah. that. <laughs> but I oh well, one one good thing about Pat Riley from the trade deadline that I didn't mention yet, and I just found out this the other day was from from that Memphis Grizzly trade. He also generated a trade exception about seven point five million dollars. So what that means is. You know, in trades, you have to match salary up to a certain percentage. But now the Heat has this $7.5 million exception where they don't have to match that salary. In theory, they could take back on a player up to $7.5 million and not give a player with a similar salary back. 
So that could be helpful. Gives a, a lot more wiggle room uh, for Pat Riley in any future signings that could possibly happen this offseason or next. They have a draft pick this season. They probably need that money to sign that player. <laughs> and uh, judging by the record right now, if the playoffs started right now, they wouldn't. it wouldn't be a, a lottery pick. Oh, they are definitely not going to have a lottery they're pick. They're definitely not going to have a lottery pick. So that... Uh, that scouting team needs to get back in there because <laughs> it's been a while since they haven't drafted in, in a non-lottery pick. I think they're. I mean, you th- could say that's a good thing, kind of, in that they I were guess. never really a losing team, yeah. though they were kind of like the ninth seed most of those times. But, but anyways, uh, before we get too far along, okay, Stephen mentioned uh, John Beeline, Cleveland Cavaliers coach. Uh, decided to step down from his uh, coaching duties. Yeah, this offseason he signed a four-year contract, and he was barely ha- he was a little over halfway for one year, year one of his contract, and he just called and quits. I guess rumors are that he lost the respects of, of the players, and it seems to have came from when he accidentally called them. Dugs, uh, and then try to backtrack and say he meant to say slugs instead. That seemed to have caused this issue with with the locker room and his team. Just crazy that it, just half a year in, he's calling he's calling it quits. What a failure of a of a team. The, the organization the Cavaliers are. Yeah, they're a mess right now. Yeah. <laughs> Man, they've always been a mess. Except for LeBron. <laughs> yeah, because LeBron's running the organization. It ain't the owner. Well, it's just it's just kind of what happens after LeBron leaves, right? The heat, the LeBron after effect happened uh, to the Miami Heat as well. It's kind of like that. We're this is barely just the beginning of the improvements since the LeBron aftermath, right? This is the first time that the Heat are actually okay. We're actually at the point where building for the future is happening right now. And Cavs are. It was, I mean, it wasn't that bad. They still made the playoffs, though. Yeah, after. they still, yeah, they still made the playoffs. The Heat made the playoffs after LeBron left. Second round. Yeah. Oh, that was back it, with Dwayne Wade, though, right? Yeah. And Chris, Dwayne, Chris Bosh. Yeah, Chris, yeah. Well, Chris Bosh was injured. Oh, okay. He had the blood okay. clots. They still had the same assets. You know, those assets were still in play. But once those assets starts dispersing around, like their contracts start going to an end, like you're left with nothing. The Heat had nothing. And that's kind of what they got. That's what we're recovering from right now. And the Cavs are going to be like that for a long time. And Nobody, they can't do anything. Nobody wants, I don't even know if anybody wants to play with them. Kevin, I'm surprised yeah. Kevin Love is still there. I thought they'd be, he'd be traded by now. He's their only trade. He his contract. He still has three That's more true. years after this. Yeah, he's a little expensive for, especially he's so injury prone. It's a little risky to take that salary. Especially when you got that, what the... Well, also, this is also pretty relevant in that Andre Drummond, who the Cavaliers traded for, he's there's reports saying that he would have not uh, opted into his contract if John Beeline stayed. So... <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. I mean, Andre Drummond has like a $28 million player option. But, you know, what, what are the Cavs going to do with that money? So... They can't do anything with that money. Yeah, I was just like, really, Andre Jummett, that's gonna be your your big pickup. <laughs> I think I think that's indicative of the organization. That a <laughs> brand new player is dictating who's getting fired or not. 
And I know the coach lost the block room a long time ago, but if what you said is true, I think that had a lot to do with his firing now. And you have to put your faith in either plans you have as an organization, or they're kind of always trying to fix things that they're, they messed up on. And trying to appease a player that just literally got signed, who hasn't proven anything <laughs> as far as accomplishments. And I don't mean to pick was... on them. Because Detroit just about wasn't necessarily a that. good team. It's indicative that the Cavs are probably going to be in a very, very long slump. Yes. And they, and it's not like Andre Joma is not even like a... You know how you have like A-list celebrities? Like, <laughs> is he even a C-list? Come on, be, let's be serious. No. Like he's, he's getting paid like a, uh, like a superstar, but he's definitely nowhere near that. No, he's he, not even an all-star <laughs> in the East. Like, what are we talking about? And he could be useful, yes, but come on. I don't think he's useful at all, man. If you look at it, the age of where big men can't shoot, that's gone. Yeah, I think it's very telling that the Piston, all they got was expiring contracts for him. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but you also got Clint Capella. He can't shoot. He also got <laughs> traded to the Hawks. That era where a big guy, it's like a big guy's era, big man era, that's long gone. You got to be able to shoot now. I will counter that. I think he Capella, if he's healthy, he'll be very good with Atlanta because he's going to be paired up with Trey Young and John Collins. He can shoot from three. He's going to have a lot of space to work with. But Drummond doesn't have that set of skill that Capella does, so it's a little different. Any other news you guys want to... I think that's it. I think we're ready to talk about All the right. All-Star game. Let's move on to the All-Star game. And uh, we'll just uh, talk about this really briefly because... The only thing we didn't cover was just the all-star game against Team LeBron against uh, Team Giannis. Mm-hmm. Now, the first three quarters was like, if anybody... Typical uh, yeah, all-star. Yeah, if you guys seen the game, it looked like a typical all-star. It was like back and forth, alley-oops, dunks. People standing around yeah, on defense. People stand, yep, pretty much. <laughs> There's no defense. Now, the thing that uh, made it pretty much slightly competitive was the fourth quarter, which was very competitive. You had play you had Kyle Lowry taking charges, like charge he took a charge in the All-Star <laughs> game. And it wasn't just once. He took it twice. And yeah, you got and that. you got uh players complaining about fouls, like Tiggy Tack fouls. Uh James Harden was like yelling at the ref because he got called for like offensive fouls and like things that you would see in a regular season game. But you know happening in a just one quarter. Now, oh, yeah. uh, Team LeBron won thanks to uh, Anthony Davis making uh, one of two of his free throws. Like, <laughs> he missed the the first free throw that could have uh, won them the game, but he made a second one. So, now, when I was looking at that game, when I was watching that game, I, w- I was just thinking, like, is this format going to last? Well, you know who like, came up with that format? The player himself, Chris Paul, the president of the... Players Association. He came up with this format and just are getting. I mean, it seems to be very successful. So I would think we see some kind of variation of it going forward. Well, well, you see, that's 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 the thing. Like, do you think that that this format is it played the way it did on Sunday because of the game was in memory of Kobe, mm-hmm. or because of just the new format? That's the reason why they play so hard. Like, I think it was because of Kobe more than because of the format. Mm. Like, just because they changed the format to more of, like, a pickup game in the last quarter. Like, is that really going to make it more competitive? 
like I, I just I just don't I just don't know. Near the end of the game, even a regular All Star game, players tend to step it up just because they did all their flashy moves, and now they're trying to win the game. So I think it matched. I think that was his idea to make the fourth quarter uh, like a separate type of game. In that this is where players tend to try the hardest, and defense tend to pick it up. Now, I do think that Kobe Bryant tribute did play an effect into it. Um, maybe next year we won't see as intense, but I still think we'll we'll see at least in like the like the last five or ten points, the players will really lock it in. Yeah, I just I I just don't know about that. I I don't think it's gonna happen to be honest. I'm more into Carson's train of thought. I think it's a very good point he brought in. They're playing hard for Kobe because Kobe was known to be a very, very stout competitor in everything. And I think it also helped that they had someone like Kyle Lowry who was, you know, he pretty much all he does is play very hard defense, kind of like get things fired up, like taking that charge. I think you got people kind of like, all right, you know, starting to turn up. We're going to start playing hard. We're going to start. That was the goal for for everyone to start playing defense, I think, at at a different level. If you looked at the, like the last quarter, like Team LeBron was playing like pretty good defense, and mm-hmm. Giannis wasn't didn't score. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't even attempt to drive it in. They what they did was they just stacked the paint. Basically, they had no shooters out there. <laughs> yes, you had LeBron. LeBron Kawhi could like easily try to slow him down, and then you got. Uh, Anthony Davis in the back, like doing help defense in case he got past them. I, I feel like it's going to be like the playoffs all over again. Oh with yeah, Giannis. But Giannis actually has shooters around him though. Giannis for the did, Bucks. Giannis did say in the post game conference after that All Star game that <laughs> it was pretty funny. He said that their plan in the fourth quarter was to have whoever had the ball, whoever was being guarded by James Harden, to attack. <laughs> he literally said that and I'm wondering why he keeps bringing James Harden up like when he was picking his team he literally said uh, I need someone that can pass me the ball and now he's saying like he's calling him out again saying like yeah our plan was to attack whoever James Harden was guarding it's like is he pissed that I, I don't know if James Harden said something when they were competing for the MVP last year but like he's targeting him like a lot and publicly too I think it's kind of interesting. Maybe, maybe I, I, you might be right because uh, maybe James Harden didn't like it that uh, Giannis uh, won the MVP over him last season. I just thought it was like, man, like, could... putting his name out there like no big deal. And this guy is like, <laughs> it's James Harden, man. He has, you know, he should be a very respected figure in the game. But you don't know. They could be like, do you really think they're just joking around? That's true. It could be just for fun and games. That is true. I could be overthinking it. That's probably I, more what it is than the I other like to option. Think, I like to think of it as uh, they don't like each other. I like that. <laughs> Giannis like does not like to practice with other competitors. So yeah. He does uh-huh. have that mentality. <laughs> Maybe uh, somewhere down the grapevine he heard something that uh, James Harden said that he was overrated. And that he could go on Giannis. Giannis, I don't know. Yep. It could be something like that. All I know is in that game, when the refs call fouls on like these are just the star players now, it made me think like 
does it uh are some some uh players are like higher tier right obviously mm-hmm. but uh the refs kept when they called fouls on like james harden they called them a uh, foul on him like it looked i think it was two or three times and both of them were kind of like eh, like a little ticky tacky but i saw Giannis do the same exact thing they didn't call on him so i'm like <laughs> thinking like the hierarchy is like it's not equal man it ain't equal. In the All-Star game, it kind of showed that. <laughs> but it's just what, something I pointed out. I don't know if it means anything. Probably not, but... Uh, just a quick note as a fan. The pre-game show was amazing. If you haven't watched it, please check it out. They did a great job from the tribute to Kobe, the tribute to the city, and Common just laying it out there. It was really nice, so definitely go check it out. As a fan, I thought that was great. It started yeah, the whole All-Star good. game like in a great note. Like The production was awesome. It was just amazing, so please check it out. Dwayne Wade was also featured in there, so it was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, his uh, player intro was pretty good, too, I thought. All right, let's move on to the uh, Miami Heat thing everybody's been waiting for. David, why don't you start us? Yeah. Thanks, Carson. Just to recap where the Heat are just so far after the All-Star break, they're a fourth seed in the standings behind Boston, Toronto, and the Bucks. Now, each team has about 28 to 29 teams left. And just want to compare the remaining schedule left for these for the top six teams in the Eastern Conference because all within range of, you know, changing standings so the rest of the schedule could really determine how the playoffs shaped up and i just want to emphasize that the heat have 28 games left 12 out of the 28 games are on the road and so that's pretty good because the heat are god awful on the road <laughs> but really strong at home the heat I, they have a losing record on the road so that just that's very telling 13 and 16 on the road but 22 and 3 at home for the miami heat Amongst those six teams, only the Philadelphia 76ers have an easier schedule than the Heat in that uh, the schedule is based on the number of winning teams uh, they are facing. So I'm looking at the website Tank of Don, and they just list the strength of schedule remaining. And the Heat, out of 30 teams, have 26 most easiest schedule left. The Philadelphia 76ers have the second easiest schedule left. So... And the thing is, the Heat are only 1.5 games ahead of the 76ers. So it's going to be very competitive amongst those two teams. Uh, you know, if the playoffs ended today, they will be facing each other in the in the playoffs. So of those 28 games, only 10 of them are, are against teams with winning records. So even more justification for the Heat to really move up in the standings. Because the teams ahead of them, the Raptors... And the Boston Celtics. Boston has the 12th hardest schedule left. But Milwaukee has the 5th hardest schedule left. There's room for Miami. And it's very important for the Heat to at least be in the top four. To at least have home field advantage in the first round. And not fall out of the top four. And lose home field advantage for the, for the whole playoffs, right? So the case is there for the Heat to, to not only at least maintain the top four seed. And a lot of these matchups, the playoff matchup against the Raptors and the, the Heat against the Raptors and the Heat against the Boston Celtics, if the Heat don't have that home court advantage, which they currently do not, 
I do not like their chances against those two teams. And just to emphasize how much more they could move up in the standings, and of the 10 games that they have against winning teams, two are against the Bucks and two more against the Celtics. But yeah, I just want to pre- preface that before we go into like playoff discussions. Um, I could definitely see the Heat regain the second seed based on what's left on their schedule, how strong they can be if everybody's healthy, and the trades that they made, which should only boost them as well. I just want to add, as far as the, like their seeding goes, mm-hmm. I like their chances against pretty much all the good teams in the the East besides pretty much the Bucks and the Celtics. Those are the only two teams that I don't want them to face in the first round. Otherwise, it's going to be a, a quick exit for them. But any of any other of the other teams, I'm, I, I think they could get past them in the first round if they face them. Even if they don't have home court advantage. Even if they have home court, even if they don't have home court advantage, I am less worried about them facing uh, 76ers and the Toronto Raptors, assuming their team is healthy. Like they have to have Myers Leonard back and obviously Tyler Hero back. Just to reiterate David's point, uh, before we get into the matchups, because I think we're going to mm-hmm. start going into like specific matchups. I think the goal for the Heat is to one get either get to the second spot. That should be their mm-hmm. main goal to get either the Magic or the Nets in the first round playoffs. But also they want to at least get in the third spot as well, worst case scenario, so that they end up in the opposite bracket to the Bucks. So that if right. they do get past the first round. Uh, they don't get the Bucks in the second round of the playoffs. As far as them being able to get to those, uh, either one of those seeds, I think it'll be hard, just because of the injuries they've been having, inconsistent sure. lineups, and you know any new players who are going to be very crucial to the rotation going into the playoffs. Even there's not a lot of games for them to get everyone in sync, mm-hmm. and having Myers Leonard, especially, who is a big part of their lineup as a starting center. I think it's going to be gone for a little longer than than we think, right? I think they're they were at one point expecting him to come back from the from his injury after the All-Star break, but mm-hmm. I, I it felt like right before the the All-Stars game, there was some sort of pessimistic sentiment that he might not be back by then. And I think the main goal for the Heat is to get everyone acquainted in the same page, get the team chemistry going so that they play at a high level because for them they don't have I feel like they don't have a lot of playmakers, and so they need to figure out how they can improve that offense, which is going to require a lot of um, trial and error, which they don't have that time for. I'm a little pessimistic about them being able to get the second or third seed. We'll see. Um, I'm hoping for the better. Yeah. Hopefully, they'll start getting... Uh, They're only starting... three games behind the Celtics. And like I mentioned, the Celtics had the, uh, the 12th hardest schedule left. I'm, I guess I'm just more optimistic, but I do share your concerns. Uh, just also, especially the injury concern because the Heat tend to be pretty injury prone. Also, I do worry about how their lineup's going to shape up, especially if in the closing minutes, if it involves Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala, and Bam Adebayo. I really worry about the spacing issues they will have. That type of lineup will create for the Heat. No, none of them are true shooters. Although Jimmy Butler and Andre Iguodala are probably one of the better clutch moment shooters. When <laughs> it comes down to the wire, 
even though they're not great shooters, no, their percentage kind of goes up during those moments. So up to seventy percent. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> but uh, it's, they do need to figure out how to spread that that floor without being a liability on the defensive end. Once again, I can't believe we're saying that the Heat need Myers Leonard. It's just I don't know. But that's what's interesting, right? You learn these things as far as like team lineups and team chemistry. How even the smallest, what you perceive as the smallest of role players, how big of an impact they have. To, to me, it's it's like if they face any quality big guy, they need Myers Leonard to draw him away from the yeah, offensive end. Yes. Yeah. That, that's and even to have a bigger body so that Bam yeah. doesn't have to body up every single center that he comes across. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's only 6'9. That guy's 6'9. He's not really a center. He's a power forward. Yeah. You guys were talking about line, the standings and the matchups, right? Yep. So, uh, Steven, why don't you start off about the matchups? So, as of now, order? I oh, guess we could go ahead. in order as far as like. So, right now, the Heat are seated number four. And then the 76ers are five, so that would be the first round matchup. And I will mm-hmm. leave it up for conversation or debate. Um, me personally, I don't like that matchup. I see the 76ers yeah. as a strong playoff team. I think people yeah. are overreacting as far as their so called. Uh, I don't even know what, how to describe it. Like, they're the not doing that between bad. Ben Simmons and. Yeah, the it's. <laughs> You know, I mean, they have issues to figure out on the basketball court. You know, they there are spacing issues, which I think I addressed a couple episodes before. Maybe not. I don't know if it was on air or not. But these are issues that can be addressed very, I wouldn't say easily, but I think Brett Brown can figure it out. They've added some new players to spice up the bench, which I think was their main issue. They had zero bench production. Like, their bench was, they weren't good. So it's really thin, yeah. They added some scorers from the Golden State Warriors that should help them out. Alec Burks and uh, Glenn Robinson the third. I think that'll help them out a lot. I think they the move that Brett Brown made uh, when they played who was it that they played? They moved Al Horford to the bench. It was against the Clippers. Against the Clippers, there you go. That helped open up the floor a lot more and they had great success against, you know, a smaller team like the Clippers, even though it was a home game, right? I am not a big fan of, or a big fan of the whole. Oh, we're undefeated at home, or we're really bad road team. I think once the playoff starts, I think all of that kind of goes back to zero. So, for example, the first example I think of was when the Heat and the Thunder got in the finals. Right, mm-hmm. the Thunder were perfect at home, almost perfect, maybe, maybe one or two losses through entire season, including the playoffs. They end up playing the Heat. Didn't matter at all. That he were just a better team. Period. I think it all I becomes. Think, mm-hmm. I think in this series, it, just the, the the discrepancy between the Heat and the Sixers' home road records are are huge. They, they like the Heat. The Sixers also have a losing record. I think I, only better than the New York Knicks' road record. It is really bad. I guess that's the, I'm agreeing with you. I just don't think it's a big deal. Except for the Heat. Except for two teams, I think it doesn't matter really. The Heat, because of their South Beach home court advantage, and Denver because of their altitude advantage. Like, those are little, uh, I can see like a direct correlation to how the players play. 
But like, if you tell me there's like a very strong, um, I know there's home court advantage and all that, but that applies to everyone, right? But then when a player just, when we look at the regular season and say like, well, they're just they're not gonna win a single playoff game on, on the road. I just don't believe that. I think they, it all becomes I, a more of a like a, a matchup, player to player matchup kind of thing. But yeah, that's the reason why I like the the Heat's chances against the 76ers. They mm-hmm. I don't think the 76ers have the person have the the team that could last long through the playoffs because they don't have any shooters. They don't have enough. They have two of their star players play exactly the same. They need to be in the paint. Ben Simmons can't shoot and he won't shoot. Joel Embiid needs to well, wants to play to in the block. Fair, ben Simmons you have do tend to score a lot on against the Heat so and they don't they don't need to have like I guess this goes back to what I was trying to say. Uh, there's a way for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to score while they're both on the floor. I I, I think people are just kind of blowing that out of proportion. The way I saw in the Clippers game, Joel Embiid will usually set a pick for Ben Simmons under the rim, like really close to the rim. <laughs> it it just doesn't match up. You you have two players whose styles they don't mesh together. It's I, I, that's the only reason I don't I don't like their chances. I like I like the Heat's chances against them. That's and I don't like the 76ers' chances of making that far into the playoffs. Mainly because of that, they're like the only team who has like size enough size to like match up against the uh, the Bucks. Any team I feel like uh, Boston's a better team than them. Toronto I think is a better team than them. And I think Miami's a better team than them just because of uh, personnel wise and uh, like game plan wise. Their teams are built up. They're just better than the 76ers. I, I just don't I, – I can't see how two people who play pretty much the same way, they need to be in the paint in order to score, can make it to the playoffs when they don't have any – when everybody around them can't do anything about it. <laughs> make it to the playoffs? <laughs> I mean, not make it to the playoffs. Make it far into the playoffs is what I meant. Okay. Make it far okay. into the playoffs. Tobias Harris, I'm not going to – no. Uh-uh. No. Yeah, I don't trust him either. But I don't trust him. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rely on him to be my uh to score all every time I drive and kick it out to him. Like who else? Is yeah, gonna I don't think in? it'll be. I don't think to Josh Richardson. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Josh Richardson either. Which okay. is a very peculiar case. He's been shooting pretty bad for the Sixers, right? Like for the Heat, he was a much better shooter than he is now. Well, of all the players who left the Heat, <laughs> were much better with the Heat. Besides, you know, the star players were like, you know, those uh, other guys, they were much better with the Heat. And then until they left, and then they got, you know, worse. You know, the two best players who, who perform against the Heat are the star players, are the Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. They tend to have big games against the Heat. It really comes down to who is their, who is that third guy who's going to put them over the hump. And that is why I don't think they could, like, consistently beat the Heat four times. I don't think you have enough consistent, uh, consistent third option to um, beat the Heat. So I, I guess I'm in agreement with you guys. It's, it's just if if the if the standings were switched, and I disagree with Steven on this. If the Heat were fifth and the Philadelphia 76ers were fourth, I would. I mean, it goes in the home home field advantage, but it's just the Heat have a 22 and three record at home. The 76ers have a 25 and two records at home. It, that doesn't mean nothing. The home it does show that. Be playing in front of your home crowd has some kind of advantage. I understand, like especially for role players, their percentage goes significantly up when they're playing at home. They obviously play harder. 
And and it makes sense because the players are just more comfortable for various reasons. I guess the same points you guys brought up. Who's going to be the third option for the Philadelphia 76ers? Who is Miami Heat's second option and third option? And who's going to stop Embiid? Yeah, I don't think they could stop Embiid, but... Even if they could stop Embiid, okay, let's just say, but, let's just he go has with... Always, just, always had monster games. Yeah, Even but like, like, and they still yeah. lose. Yeah, and they still lose, yes. That's why they need that. Like, you you're, you make it seem like, okay, just because if both of them score like 30 points, that it's guaranteed that they're going to win. What about the other guy? It, that's just 60 points. 60 points is not going to win you a playoff game. I think they're playing better than they started in the beginning of the season, as shown by the Clippers game. And not only that... They improved their their uh, their bench. I think their bench is gonna be much much improved. But that leads me to the other thing: like, who on their team is going to help them sh- score points? Like, they need that third person. But uh, I think Tobias Harris is fine for that, and then Al Horford may be able to step up on that role. Josh, I that's the thing. Like, I think a little bit more optimistic about the other three starters. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, I think the Josh Richardson had a pretty big game against the Clippers, if I remember correctly. But I'm a little bit more optimistic because they're all very, um, well, at least uh, Al Horford and Tobias Harris has plenty of playoff experience. So I think they'll come up pretty big. And I think that's one of the one of the going things for me for the Heat that I think is going to be one of their issues in the playoffs is that a lot of their important rotational players, they're very young. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam, and Kendrick Nunn. Uh, I think the playoff atmosphere is gonna, you know, there's gonna be some play, especially towards the end of the games, where they most likely won't p- make the right play, and I think that'll cost the Heat probably a game or two, maybe a few. Who knows? But um, I think the edge. I still give the edge to the 76ers. Hmm. Okay. But we'll go so to the we, other matchups. Yeah. So, so just to recap, we, me and Carson think the Heat would, would win against the 76ers, but you don't think so, Steven. I don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. And all see, right. So let's, and you got to think right. from my perspective, too. I'm very pessimistic. I don't like to like <laughs> root for someone and then they lose. So I'm kind of like setting the bar low. So when they do win, I'll be like super happy. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, well, let's see how you feel about our next matchup then. So how about we just go down the list? So let's say for okay. whatever reason that he end up playing the Boston Celtics. Uh-huh. What do you guys think? Oh, they're going to lose. I don't like the chances. <laughs> I'm with Carson. They're going to lose. I yeah. think they're going to get swept. So, I wouldn't say so, swept. Oh, they're going to get swept, someone. bro. <laughs> I guess I'll give my... I'll go first about why they would... I think they, they would lose. Uh, just to give some... Where they stand, the Boston Celtics, uh, third in the East three games above the Heat, but they have the fifth uh, best offensive rating in the league and the third best o- defensive rating in the league. Which so is top crazy, five, right? You know, that is crazy, yes. They have good wing players. Jason, Jason Tatum, Tatum um, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker. Though I don't, I don't think Kemba Walker... I think he chokes in the clutch moment, so I don't. Dang, I am not really dude. counting him. Dang, David! <laughs> what has he done? What has he? What has he proved? I saw okay. him. I saw him fade away in again in the Olympics game. I saw him fade away in the All Star game. I, yeah. I what what what? Preach, when, when David, has he ever come preach. a clutch? Preach, when David. When has he ever come a clutch? 
I honestly don't know. I, I didn't watch enough Hornets games to even know he did fadeaways. Preach, but the, that's the problem. The problem is they have more than enough to compensate for Kemba Walker because they have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. Those three are good offense player, but also great defensive player as well. Yeah. I, I don't know if you guys remember. I was going to uh-huh. remind you guys that there was a big issue about the Boston Celtics defense because they didn't have a, a competent defensive big man. Uh-huh. And I just want to point out that I wouldn't think it would be an issue because Brad Stevens was going to figure it out. And I do want to say that, uh, yeah, I agree with you. The Boston Celtics are a very, very tough matchup for the Heat. It's just they're like a better built version of the Heat in a sense. It's because they have a lot more talented players than the Heat does. But they kind of play a similar small ball game. And like like you mentioned about the big man, the the Boston Celtics weakness. I just don't think Bam could really take advantage of that if he doesn't really have a shot. If he doesn't have a jump shot. Oh, he can't. No, absolutely yeah. not. I mean, I think Bam will be pretty good. Like he'll he'll be useful, right? But right. he won't be able to take over a game. You know, right. like really take a hold of a matchup and impose his will. Um, it will be important to see. I think the Heat have still two more games against the Celtics. Right. To the end of the season, right? I think you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, watching those games would be very important, especially since it'll be a playoff atmosphere. Yep. And we get to see the new pieces. I would think Jay Crowler and Andre Iguodala, uh, they should help greatly against the Celtics just because they could match up. They could at least defend the the Boston Celtic talented wing yeah. players. It, it'll be a... Uh... A war between the wings. See who can score and defend each other the best. I think Jay Crowder, like you mentioned, is going to be very crucial because he's played. He played for Boston. That's kind of where. That's kind of oh, where yeah. his career peaked. peaked exactly. <laughs> and so he'll be, he says peaking on the heat. <laughs> possible. So right? far, so far he is. <laughs> so far he is. I really like to think that players that play for a certain team they quote unquote know the basket, and so. I think he'll play well on the offensive end as well. Number one option, Jay Crowder, steaming on ahead. We'll see how that goes. Well, you guys are pretty optimistic about them, but I don't think they're going to win no matter what. Not how the team's constructed. I don't think they're going to win. No, I don't. I think we both said we don't think they're going to win. I don't oh, think it'll be. A you sweep. guys are. I think they're going to get swept. Oh, I don't know about that, but yeah, man, I I am really high on that Boston team against the against the Heat. They have the Heat cannot defend wing players. That's mm. true. Well they cannot. Maybe they can't keep up with them. Igadala and Jay Crowder might help with that. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah. that is an issue they need to address. Yeah, huge, they, huge they issue. They cannot. Like Tyler Hero can't keep up with them. He's also their wing player. Jimmy Butler if he's held like it's too much helped. for him. Yeah, he yeah, can't, he can't keep he, doing he's it. He's leading the offense, too. He's, yeah. yeah it's going to be too much for him. And then Duncan Robinson, too. Eh, right. Yeah, he, Duncan Robinson can't defend wing players, either. And mm. and uh, which, and Myers Leonard is not really much of a shot blocker. It's just a big guy in the in the center. So then you put yourself in Eric's closest position, right? If Iguodala or Crowder are not making their, their shots... And the Heat needs some sort of offensive punch. Do you put in these two relatively young players who can shoot but can't defend? 
you put them in to try to get the heat over the home? Yeah. Oh yeah, you 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 have to put them in. I would think so. I would think they'll go to the zone more often yep. than. Oh, but then the, the one so, thing—that's when they I, rank threes on the Heat, man. That yeah, gets but that's what—that's yeah, how they compensate for it. That's what they've been doing the whole season. But that's the thing that I like about about the Heat's chances against Boston. Boston's not really a good three-point shooting team. They don't really have like people that you could say you give them the ball at the three-point line and they're like knockdown shooters. They don't really have that. They have decent percentage, though. I'm looking at the last game they played against the. The Heat mm-hmm. and their three point percentage as a team was just thirty six percent. It's not that high. If I was the Heat, if I was their exposure, I could live with that. If they shot thirty six percent from three point, especially against the zone. Yeah, especially against the zone. Yep. So Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are at thirty eight percent from three this season. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna assume Jalen Brown is gonna carry that on onto the pre onto the postseason. I saw him fade away last season in the postseason. I don't think he's gonna. I'm not that worried about him. Gordon Hayward's but I feel Jason Tatum. I feel Jason Tatum is going to take that, take it over though. I mean, when Jalen Brown has played against the Heat, he has some really good games. Was that in the so, pre, was that in the postseason? I mean, we'll see how that translates. But it's not like they never been to the playoffs. I feel like he, I don't think he's that consistent, especially so since the, he got that contract. I think he, he's been living up to it. He's just been he's injured, been playing you know? much better than last year. But I think that goes yeah. into the whole Kyrie effect more than anything. Because Jalen was playing pretty well when Kyrie was hurt, and then when Kyrie got back last year, everything's went kind of crap. But I just want to point out: Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum—they're all either at thirty or thirty-nine percent from threes. Each one of them is either thirty-eight or thirty-nine percent individually. Okay. And then Marcus Smart is thirty-five percent. I'm not that worried about Marcus Smart. Yeah, so yeah, I mean it's it's like you said, Carson. It's it is a very tough matchup for the Heat. But if they if they just shoot a thirty percentage, I'm okay with that, especially if they play against his own. Well, I, I think you're saying that because they don't have an option. <laughs> they have to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not worried. Yeah, the only way I see it is the Celtics also play great team defense, so Teams can't really take advantage of the lack of big man if they don't have a, a big man themselves, which the Heat don't. If the Heat has home field advantage and if Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo can 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 score inside, then I think that's the best chance. <laughs> if Jimmy Butler can drive it in, create shots, create good looks for his teammates, and get to the free throw line, I think that's really their only shot. He has to be... Michael Jordan. MVP, yes. He has to play <laughs> at MVP type level. At least lock down one three pointer a game. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be tough, man. It's <laughs> yeah. huge load for him to take. Yeah, I agree. I I, I kind of feel Tyler Heroes is uh likes the clutch moment. Cause I see you know yeah, he, he's made some clutch shots. Mm-hmm. I mean it's regular season, but still, he's made some real clutch shots. Like he made the go ahead of three pointer against the uh, against the seventy sixers when it went to overtime. Yeah, that was a crazy shot. That was a clutch shot by him. I guess the question is, can they get to that position where a clutch shot is even there? I think they could, <laughs> just because they they're. Yeah. I think they could just because they play hard defense. And they, and you know, when it comes down to the playoffs, it's mostly you know be... scoring. Everything the pace got slow down. Fouls call is not you no know, not as much fouls and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be more physical too and I feel like yeah. Pat Riley's gonna 
sit down that whole team and be like, you guys better not play like pansies out there. I agree with you, but I still think Boston will be more physical just because they're older and they're a, lot, a little bit more grizzled and established. I don't know, man. They, I, I feel like the, the Heat have like the, those undrafted players. They're a little feisty. <laughs> like Duncan Robinson, I feel like it's feisty. If they were in the playoffs right now, I feel like they would want like a, no, kind of like what they say, like turning into like a fist fight. Pretty much like very physical, like elbowing. Are you saying that if you were walking down a dark alley and someone came up to you, you would want to have Duncan Robinson next to yeah, you to I protect want, I want, you? I want, I want some 6'8 Duncan Robinson to be my, to be my bodyguard. <laughs> so I think we are all in agreement about Boston Celtics in that yeah. heat. we don't see them being the Heat. <laughs> or we don't see the Heat being the Celtics. That's hard to say as a Heat fan. Yeah. Let's compare so, with the Pacers. Oh, okay. I like the Heat's chances against the Pacers. <laughs> so I kind of do as well. I think it really all depends on how Victor Oladipo, right, how well he is performing. Yeah, but and it's, it should be a fun matchup with a rematch against you know, T.J. Jimmy Warren Butler and Jimmy Butler. Butler. Yes, like that should be fun. Like you guys were talking about <laughs> fighting earlier. <laughs> like there's definitely gonna be fighting in that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like the matchup against the Pacers just because how the Pacers are set up. They're not a good rebounding team. And the last matchup against the Pacers, the Heat out-rebounding them, which is amazing because the Heat are also an awful rebounding team. But the Pacers are just that much worse. And just to um, give the stats for the Pacers, they're 15th offensive rating and 11th in defensive rating. It's okay, but I, I think they could really take advantage of the duel of big man Myers uh, Myers Turner and Sabonis. As far as Myers Turner, I, I don't think he's going to be that much of a I'm not that worried about him. The the one that I'm would pay attention to is probably a Brogdon and Oladipo. Yeah. Yep. Like I need to know how Oladipo is. So far he's still recovering from his injury. And he hasn't, you know, like blown up yet, but they they're trying not to play him as much. If Oladipo plays as well as he did 2 seasons ago, I still give the Heat a slight edge. Well, I would think this is where you. This is why you trade for Andre Iguodala. This is yeah. he would be so crucial in this series. Because I feel like both uh, Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder they match up better. Mm-hmm. The, I don't think the Pacers are that are their wing players are not as athletic as the Boston Celtics wing players, mm-hmm. and I feel like it would be easier for the Heat to contain them. I, I, I feel like it would be a good match. It'll be a good matchup. And I feel and like the Heat could really take yeah. advantage of uh, Sabonis' defense. Yeah. I mean, they might let him, he, they, they probably can't contain him offensively, but they could attack him defensively. I, I, I see the same way. I think it'll be a convincing victory for the Heat. I can't see the Pacers being able to match up. We all know the matchup yeah. between Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren is not really a matchup. <laughs> and then Victor Oladipo <laughs> is not really healthy yet. <laughs> And I then... just I just want to reiterate that I don't I don't agree with Jimmy Butler that T J Warren is trash. I think T J Warren's a very good player, <laughs> and that he will have a good series just because he he does seem like he has that fighting spirit and he has something to prove. I I just want to point this out. Uh, mm-hmm. The last game that T J Warren had, he he scored thirty five points. So he is a good two way player. Like yeah. he, he is he, the best defensive player. Yeah. He did, he went sixteen of nineteen. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's not going to do that again. But he's still pretty. I I, think I don't that, know. 
you're, you're po- like I feel like he has a lot of motivation to. to hey, I that mean they're playing. They're, they're playing in April. He circled yeah. that game in April. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. We'll see if yeah. uh, TJ Warren uh, turns into a punk or not. <laughs> I'll tell you this: if the Pacers can win that matchup, TJ Warren versus Jimmy Butler, then they have a very good chance to win. I don't see that happening. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I, I do agree with you, David. I don't think TJ Warren is trash, but I do think there's a there are levels when it comes between sure. Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren. And maybe he'll step up and go to that level where he's scoring unbelievable amounts of points, right? Mm-hmm. Because he was earlier in his career he was kinda kinda like that player where he would he could score a lot, a score in bunches. Uh now whether that was consistent or not, maybe he's gotten better with it. We'll see if he can keep it up on a playoff atmosphere. I don't think mm-hmm. he's played um, a playoff game yet because he's been with the Suns, yeah. right? Right. So we'll see how that. It's I levels. There are levels to this, and Jimmy Butler has been there. So. I just want to point this out. The last time they played T.J. Warren against Jimmy Butler, T.J. Warren's only scored three points. Mm. One for three. He was one for five uh, shooting, and obviously he got kicked. That he got ejected, but. <laughs> and he played uh, 23 minutes. He only got three points. So just saying, mm-hmm. it was pretty, uh, pretty bad. He played. Yeah, but who knows? He, I definitely think he could improve on it. Yeah, because now he has some, uh, he has some motivation now too. Uh, sure, definitely does. <laughs> to try harder. Does. So I think our agreement is we don't think the Pacers really have a chance against the Heat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I like the Pacers, what they've been able to do, but. Yeah. I think the Heat are a little, they're a significant amount of heads right now at this mm-hmm. point. Okay, so I guess we'll move on to the the last matchup. I don't think we're going to do the Bucks, right? I think we all kind of agree the Bucks are going gonna... to. Yeah, the Bucks are better. Yeah, I could right? definitely see. I think that's the greatest possibility of getting swept. Yeah, <laughs> definitely highly <laughs> possible. Um. Okay, so I guess we just jump to the last team that I think it's worth taking a look at. It's the Toronto Raptors, sure. and I oh, really yeah. like this matchup. And I think there's a lot of debate going back and forth. Uh, I, I'll start it off since I'm kind of I took the floor anyway. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the Raptors, I'm a really big fan of them because, especially from the perspective of Nick Nurse, the standard that he's been able to keep with the same roster after losing a finals MVP caliber player and Danny Green, mm-hmm. who's a very capable shooter and good defender. Uh, most people were thinking the Toronto Raptors are going to blow it up, you know, give out their right. asses and start preparing for the future. Yeah, and, and Marcus saw and uh, Ibaka were on the last year contract, too. And they, they kept right. them. They're going mm-hmm. along. They believe in the team. And for good reason. Uh, Nick Nurse has the whole team playing extremely well, just like last year. They haven't missed a beat. If anything, they've gotten better. Uh, I think their record was even better than when they had Kawhi last year by this point in the season. And obviously, I don't think they're as good as last year because they had Kawhi, but it shows that the quality and the standard that Nick Nurse has brought into the team. Like They play extremely well, hard, hard defense. Everyone buys into their role. And they just compete every possession. You never see them kind of slacking off. Nick Nurse does not let them slack off. Um, he'll call you out publicly into the... If you're not playing well, if you're not doing what he's telling you to do, he'll put you out on the spot in front of the media. And he did that like in the beginning of the season, uh, maybe a month in. 
there are a couple of new players into the roster. I think uh, Stanley Johnson and uh, Hollis Jefferson, they were they weren't playing defense on every possession, and he put he blasted them in the media like, why aren't mm-hmm. you playing them? You know, you guys just got them. You know, they're not playing up to our standards. You know, they gotta they gotta play defense every single possession. And I think that standard of a championship caliber team is gonna be very hard to beat, especially against a relatively young Miami Heat team who has young players who's never been in the you know the big spotlight of the NBA playoffs. I think that would be the difference. I think the matchups are good from both ways. I think it'll be very competitive. I give the slight edge to the Raptors in a seven game series just because of that that experience. And just to build up on your point, Steven, the Raptors you mentioned about the defense. They have the second best defensive rating in the league, 13th best uh, offensive rating. And I just want to touch on their defense. They know how to play as a team. You see, praise uh, coach Nick Nurse. And he, I, I like their defense. You see them play, they have, they play this 2 3 zone, unlike the uh, regular zone, 3 2 zone. They were, they have Pascal Siakam playing at the top of the key. Usually the ones being the first person to guard on defense. But not only are they good with the zone because they have good perimeter defenders too. They start Kyle Lowry and Fred Feet, both small guards. And you would think teams should be able to take advantage of that. But because they're, they're so strong and bulky that they actually teams actually have not been able to. Not only does he emphasize zone defense, but if you watch them play, their zone defense is actually... Throughout the game, it actually switches in the middle of play. It will switch from zone to in the, to man to man. That can really confuse the team. Oh, and yeah. during the closing minutes, I definitely see them play full court press closing minutes because they have the athletic players to. Oh to, yeah, they're young, athletic. They have a lot of energy. They're long. They're so creative and so versatile in defense. So they don't. Yeah, they don't really have one great player. You could argue it's Pascal Siakam, but they play as a team and they mm-hmm. have a great collection of players. Yep. They all know the roles. They all they all have been there last year. Yep. And that defense is going to be smothering during the playoffs. It's going to be very, very hard to score on them. Man, you guys have such are so high on the Raptors. I like the I like the Heat's chances against the Raptors. Who's their best Who's their best player? Pascal Siakam. You know who can keep up with him? Bam Adebayo can keep up with him. And he'll keep up with him all game. I have okay. no problems against that so matchup. That, he's not the only scorer, though. <laughs> checkmate. That's the I'm about, okay with that. that that's okay checkmate with that. for Carson. I'm, a, I'm okay with that. If your number one option is not going to be able to score on your player. You could argue he's... Player, who, who's like, there, who's they're there, so versatile, they have four other options. Kyle Lowry, Fred Frenfee, Serge Ibaka... Yeah, Serge Ibaka has had a like a bit of a rebirth for the past couple of weeks. He's been scoring like in the twenties consistently. You, but you think that's gonna keep up? It doesn't playoff? matter. They they can they can switch off. They play team ball. Like whoever needs to step up, they'll take up the the scoring needs. That's the thing. That's the reason why I like the Heat's chances. Their main if their main option is Pascal Siakam. It's not their main option, though. No. Well, he's our number one option. He's the number one option, but they're so versatile. They, they they have other people to pick up the slack if Bam contained Pas- yeah. Pascal Siakam. All I know is, when I've so far from the regular season, I've seen the Heat match up well against them. Yeah, I'm not they, saying it. The but... only thing I don't like about 
the Raptors is if a game gets close, mm-hmm. who are you going to give the ball to? You can, you can make as many fancy plays as you want, but you're going to trust that guy in order to make that shot if the game is close. Because in the playoffs, the game is going to be close. You need a guy who's going to give you a bucket. I could, like, I think I could give the ball to Pascal. I could give the ball to Kyle Lowry. I could, I could, could give the ball to Fred Van Fleet. I'll be perfectly mm-hmm. fine. And they've proven that last year. I think they all stepped up last year like on a clutch play, all three of them. And I think if you compare like scoring options, given their defensive matchups on the other side, I think the Raptors are a lot better suited just because the Raptors' defense are so much better than the Heat's. I guess they don't they don't have the one best player, but they also don't have that one worst player that you could attack. They're just they're just evenly balanced throughout. Mm-hmm. I just can't see it. Like I, I think of like when I think of the Toronto Raptors and who mm-hmm. the, what's going to happen at crunch time, they're going to give the ball. Siakam's going to get the ball. I, I don't think they're going to give it to Fred Van Fleet. I don't think they're going to give it to Kyle Lowry. I don't. I don't think that's going to be. An option, and I, I feel like if they gave the ball to any of those two players, the Heat should just live with it. And I'm pretty sure they'll be happy if any of those two players shoot the ball over Pascal Siakam. Man, you really have no respect for them, man. <laughs> I got no, no. They're. I'm not saying that they're a bad. I'm not saying that they're a bad team. I think they're a good team, but I just. You're I literally just like saying the, you would leave them open. No, and I'm you not saying care. I'm leaving them. I'm not saying I would leave them open, but if they were the main option and they made the shot, I would I could live with it. But I don't think they're going to make the shot. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I think it, if you're leaving you can have, you can any have of those two much. players open for a free shot to end the game, mm-hmm. like that's not good coaching. Like They're viable threats. They've proven that last year in the finals. Okay, let me ask you this then. What team... I guess made it all the way to the finals without some type of well I guess a superstar, superstar. would be would be would be Pascal Siakam but if you negate him like I can't see them making it far I mean I see what you're saying like usually these playoffs team they have some type of superstar some type of yeah, you, number you, you one proven to, option Yeah you need to have a guy who's going to give you buckets who's going to score you a point like no matter what happens I mean, let's just for, even forget about the regular season since the Heat beat them twice. I'm not even going to go with that. I feel like uh, Bam Adebayo can match up with uh, Pascal Siakam and keep up with him. I think he can contain mm-hmm. him. It goes both ways, though, right? I don't know. I kind of like... I think it's a little I biased think Bam there. has some good games against the Raptors in their, in their two matchups. I, I feel like Bam Adebayo is a, is a bit more athletic than Pascal Siakam. Even if... Even if Bam has a very significant advantage, skill-wise, size-wise, they still have Serge, Marcus Gasol, and OG Anunoby to switch off and play around uh, Bam. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of options in that in that power forward position, even center. Uh, the Heat don't have that. Period. Like, who's their next option? Andre Iguodala, maybe. Andre Iguodala, Derek Jones Jr. That's Jay Crowder. They're all small forwards, though, right? No, but they all play. They all guard the power forward position as well. If if they go that lineup, you put someone like OG Anunoby, who's pretty big. Like I don't know if you've if no, I know OG Anunoby is big. He's pretty big. Would you would you trust them? Would you trust them? uh, Yeah, giving you buckets. Yeah, not I wouldn't say like down the clutch, but throughout the game. That 
I would think size well, that's a that's a mismatch. And not and here's another thing, like one thing that Raptors do really well is play that defense. They're very good on transition because they're so they're so quick and athletic. Like it's a huge advantage they have transition def- uh, offense. You got another person who doesn't come in the clutch is Kyle Lowry. He's pretty inconsistent in the playoffs. Like it last is year is really the only is the only playoffs I've seen him where he's been great. Or at least from mediocre to to above average. I won't I'm not gonna say great. Average to above he, average. I would say he's great last year. I think it's pretty damn great. Okay, and the year before that. I think every other year before last year, the only team they really had trouble with was against LeBron. So it wasn't just a team, it was just LeBron. <laughs> Literally. The LeBron is the unofficial announced king of the North. He comes in, he 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 just slays people <laughs> there. Uh, yeah. But I think I I I I think I can see where Carson's coming from in that in order for the Heat to win, if they keep it close in a clutch, if they keep it close, which I think they can because they're both known to be good defensive teams, I give the edge to the to the Heat just because I think they have more proven clutch players. They have that guy who can like if you give the ball to Jimmy Butler, he will give you, he will score. I can't see that with Kyle Lowry or. Pascal Siakam or OG uh, uh, Serge Ibaka or Fred Van Fleet. Actually, wait, Fred Van Fleet. I, I give him more credit than the other than the others. When I I, I see what you're saying, like I feel like of... you're 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 translating too much into uh, regular season is going to translate into the postseason, which I don't think is going to happen. In the postseason, oh. I feel like it's completely different. Exactly, they're going to play so much better in the playoffs. And he, here's my perspective. Right? I completely understand what you're saying. If it comes down to the clutch, you give the ball to the superstar, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not always the one go-to play you go to on the clutch. When you have a good coach, you make plays to get a guy open. Like, have you seen a, a, a good example besides Nick Nurse is Brad Stevens? Um, well, but we're talking about playoffs, though. Yeah, it doesn't okay, matter. So playoff. Okay, so tell me a playoff game or playoff play that that actually happened. Not the talking 70, about regular season. 76ers last year. was it la- No, the year before that. There was a play where um, inbound, uh, Boston Sacks did an inbound pass. And for whatever reason, like, Al Horford was, like, completely open under the basket. Like, just completely open. Like, you you can't compensate the lack of a superstar by getting the open guy, uh, getting an open guy an easy basket. And I think, like, that, that ability, creativity that Nick Nurse has is more than enough to compensate for, hey, you know, let's give the ball to Kawhi and let him make something happen. Like, no, nah, man, let's make this shot easier. Let's come up with a play, be creative about it, take advantage of uh, mismatches and whatnot. I think that the Raptors have a lot more weapons than the Heat because you're saying because they have Jimmy Butler, they have that go-to weapon, right? And you're mm-hmm. saying that Tyler Hero maybe – I'm not even worried about. I'm not. I'm not even. I don't care about any of those other dudes that the Heat have. I have. All I know is, if I give the ball to Jimmy Butler, I know for a fact that he's going to score. I wouldn't be surprised. He will make the right play. You don't got to drop anything. Just, just give the ball. It's so easy. He could. Eric Spoelstra could just write on his chalkboard, "Give ball to Jimmy Butler." That's it. And I think it will be fine. I. Yeah. I. I like Jimmy Butler, but. I don't think he could. I think he might be able to get a couple of games like that. 
And just to be clear, it's going to be a close series. I don't give it mm-hmm. to the Raptors yeah, by I, I, far. I don't think they're going right? to. I'm not saying that the but, Heat are going to completely sweep them, but I'm I, just saying that. I don't think Jimmy Butler is like. I don't think he is enough to be able to carry a load to beat the Raptors. The Raptors are just. They're good. Like watching them play defense, you have to wonder. Like you need more than one scoring option, like a superstar scoring option. And that defense is going to get even more intense in the playoffs. And I have a hard time seeing the Heat being able to keep up with that. It will well, be a very good series, I, though. I'm in agreement with Steven in that I think I'll give the edge to the Raptors. But I, I could see how the Heat will win if they keep it close. And if they need a score, I give the edge to the Heat to produce that score. But that's the only way I see the Heat winning. Uh, but overall, I, I don't like their chances. So... So I guess in that I side with Steven and that I think they will lose to the Raptors. Well, that that's the uh, only, oh, well, besides the 76ers, because you both of you think that the 76ers are better, right? I did. I think David said, I don't, did you say who you liked on that one, David? Yeah. Who did you like on that one? I like it if the Heat has the home court advantage. If they don't, uh, I don't yeah. like the chances. I think they will have the home court advantage. So I, I like the Heat chances. Their records between home and road. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think I they'll just, figure it out. Once the playoffs kick in, I think they'll figure it out. I don't think they're going to sure. figure it out yeah. at all. If they can't figure, if that coach can't figure it out in the regular season, I'm talking about the 76ers, if he can't figure it out in the regular season, what makes you think they're going to figure it out in the postseason? Because they won in the previous seasons. I feel like their team uh, in the other seasons was much better. I mean, that's arguable. Because they actually had shoot, they actually had a more a team that was more suited to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons' needs. Because they actually surrounded them with shooters. What's his, Robert Covington and then Sarge? Yeah, Sarge. Yeah, they're both shooters. Those those guys are more. I feel like they were more suited towards the 76ers team. Yeah, definitely Covington. Covington was. Yeah, because he was three. He plays good a... defense. Played good defense, and he shot threes. Yeah, Covington was really good. I think last year though kind of proved that they they could figure it out. They didn't have as many shooters last year, but yeah, they also had Jimmy Butler last year, last year as well. It would mean that the the paint was even more clogged than this year. Like they can figure it out. They should be able to figure it out. I have faith. I think the 76 are very good for they're built for the playoffs, and I think they'll be fine. I, I I'll be very disappointed if they don't get to uh to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks. Like to me, they're they're still the two clear favorites, and I could possibly see them being beating the Bucks. And two years ago, they went on the uh, when Ben Simmons was a rookie, they went on a huge winning spree that got them into the playoffs. They they still have plenty of time to figure it out. Much better than people are making it out to be, where they're not, they don't want to play with each other. Therefore, they're you know they they hate each other. Can't even be a uh, like good teammates, I feel like everyone is just kind of overreacting. But I, so it looks like we don't see the Heat possibly being in the second round. That seems to be their ceiling for the season. Yeah. Even with the acquisition of Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala. <laughs> hey, you'll never know. There might be injuries that happen, and then you know they might be able to sneak yeah. in. I think it's, it, it's all about we'll address right before the playoffs. We'll see oh, how they've been injury. playing with the new additions. We'll see how they've been adjusting. We'll probably do something like this right before the playoffs, and we'll kind of go 
we'll have an we'll we'll know the matchup, right? We'll know who he who the Heat are playing, and then we'll kind of do the same thing and see who we think are gonna win. I just think they're we'll, so we'll, tough. We'll we'll talk about that another time. All right, mm-hmm. but uh, until then, this is the the Heat Assist Podcast. Uh, see you later, guys.